Hey everyone, this is Robbie Rodriguez, and this is my redneck sidekick, Jason Latour. Ain't nobody sidekick, boy. <laughs> Y'all listening to the amazing spider talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Ginocchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Dan, I almost forgot where I'm writing. (laughs) I wonder, maybe I should say I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, so there's some differentiation between the two of us. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just go with that. All right. That sounds good. Well, of course, thanks, everybody, for joining us for our second episode. And if you're confused about that, this is our second episode of Amazing Spider Talk, Renew Your Vows edition. Yes, we're we're stuck in the battle world. Yes, we are. So we hope you enjoy this podcast, and as always, that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe – and I guess that universe is getting smaller by the book here uh, mm. in a bit of a bigger picture. You know, Dan, if we really want to, like, imitate the comic book industry right now, we would just constantly reboot our show after about six episodes. It looks like we might have to be doing that in the future if we go with our numbering convention here. So just just so we know, and th- until we randomly have a, a Amazing Spider Talk episode 800. <laughs> randomly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway... For this episode, we'll be talking Amazing Spider Talk Renew Your Vows, number two, by Dan Slott and Adam Kubert, giving away prizes, discussing spider news, sort of, and uh, all that other fine jazz. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I was thinking about this when you were talking about numbering, Mark. This is actually our 76th episode. Oh, my. Oh, my. I don't know what that means, but if you actually wanted to know how many episodes we've had, we've had 76 so we're in the Ramita years. Yes, we are in the Ramita years. All right. Well, uh, like any other time of our 75 other episodes, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. I wanted to give a special shout-out to those of you who are also listening to this at the San Diego Comic-Con because while you're listening to this, it's likely that I'm walking around the show floor with you. So... Uh, if you want to shoot me a tweet or say hi to me, uh, I would love that. Otherwise, uh, one more reminder, don't forget that we're having a Superior Spider Talk or Amazing Spider Talk meetup tonight. That's Friday at the Bootlegger at 8 p.m. It's right across the street from San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, I'd love to see you all there. Yeah, and as, as you're listening to this right now, I'm sitting in my cubicle in New York. 
No, Mark, not all of us can have a fun life. But to be honest, I would rather be at the New York Comic Con than the San Diego Comic Con. Well, you know, October, buddy, get your butt over here. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. But in the meanwhile, Mark, let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number two. kind of into the first issue here and you know we 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 kind of joked recently offline about how i tend to start off high on stories and then gradually uh you know want to throw in the towel on them so you know second issues we've 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 had some issues before with dan slot when it comes to big arcs and his second and third chapters you know he kind of loses his steam but i'm gonna say he's bucked that trend here this was an excellent issue and I agree with you, Mark, of all things. Oh, my goodness. I think this is the best Amazing Spider-Man issue we've had since probably the number one issue in the reboot. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this was really good. I mean, you know, these are all still glorified what-if stories, these Secret Wars tie-ins. And, and I feel like that is inherently problematic, um, you know, partly because it's like, you know, you read these books like Spider-Verse and Ultimate End, and you're just kind of like, you know, what are the what are the stakes here? You know what I mean? Why why should I care? Um, and granted, this Peter Parker, Mary Jane, daughter Annie, you know, everyone else that's involved. I mean, these are these are an alternative version of them. But I feel the way that the the tension and the drama has been built in this story, I, I I'm buying into it. I'm engaged. I care about what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, if we can't care about continuity, and, and I have to admit that that's a large part of reading superhero comics for me, is, you know, knowing that there's going to be consequences, you know, hopefully. Um, then in the next thing I think you have to rely on, and, and maybe on the same level you have to rely on for anything you read, is the quality of the story. You know, Spider-Man Reign, to me, is a really great story, even though it has nothing to do with Spider-Man continuity. And, you know, I think the same thing can be uh, said about this story so far. It's a, it's a pretty quality story. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably the tightest plot that Slot has written in a very long time. I mean, everything just kind of like, I mean, even starting with the opening, which was this beautifully rendered um, dream sequence from, from uh, Adam Kubert, of, you know, which kind of served a couple of purposes. It 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 recapped what happened in the in the last issue in terms of what happened to with Spider-Man and Venom, but it also kind of advances the idea of Spider-Man being tortured by this idea of what he did to him and 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 the guilt and you know how he how he kind of abdicated his responsibility as a hero and you know like. It's not wasted. Like it, it, it you, having having sequences that serve multiple purposes. I, 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 you know, I hate to give a backhanded compliment, but I mean, we haven't gotten that in a Spider-Man comic book in a really long time. The the sequence, uh, the dream sequence, you know, beautifully rendered by Kubert in a different artistic style, which I think is always 
a smart choice when you're doing something like this to help differentiate it. But it also, you know, establishing this Venom link sets up uh, a kind of backhanded nature to the final moments of this issue. Um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, where Peter is handed his black Venom suit. I'm wondering if that's going to echo his morality through this and prove that maybe this this choice he's made has made him into more of a villain uh, than he realized. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, you know, it's funny. I kind of saw the, the dream sequence as a way to kind of slide in there that this is even though this is a harder edged Peter from what we're used to in the 616 universe, that, that there are elements, I mean, like, you know, there, he, you know, he made this decision cause it was, what's best for his family and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of says that to a point where I'm almost questioning, does he truly believe this or is he trying to convince himself that, you know, by holding on to this like colder disconnected way from, um, you know, power and responsibility, so I kind of saw this dream sequence as almost as a way of like showing, well, you know, the Peter we know and love is there are elements of him still in there. It's just this is a little different. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I just think that there's an interesting thing being done with I mean, the choice of Venom was not an accident, you know, and the idea that he's putting on this black costume is not an accident. And I, I'm hoping and I, I wonder if that's the direction this is headed is to kind of you know, put him back in that costume and make a direct comparison between his actions. Not saying that he can't recover from that, um, but I, but I do think it's an interesting thing to use in the story. Something that I did also find interesting about that opening sequence that I felt kind of got paid off further in is this this idea about the the innocence of children in this series. You know, like there's there's this line in the beginning there where Venom is you know saying, oh, it wasn't wasn't Eddie Brock. Well, Brock is saying it was it wasn't me. It was the symbiote, and we would never harm Annie. She's a she's an innocent, and and you know only to kind of you know take it back. <laughs> but and then but then like later on like you know Peter Peter in in getting rid of Venom was doing it to protect his family, but you know this world that he created by you know not going to fight Regent with the Avengers. I mean, Regent is very deliberate about the fact that, you know, superpowered children are as fair game as adults, you know, like it's like, it's like, you know, you replace one threat with an even broader threat, you know, and, 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 that, and a broader threat to, to your child, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, there, there isn't even a gray area with Regent. He's gonna, you know, if this, if your kid has powers, he's probably going to kill your kid. Which That's is like a really whoa. interesting observation. Although I, <laughs> I would, I would, I would suspect that Spider-Man would not be the linchpin that would have took take down Regent in that battle. No, I don't think so. But I mean, although who still, knows, it could happen in this book. But it's still this, uh, you know. I mean, it all goes back to the parallels of Amazing Fantasy fifteen and 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 making a choice and. You know, choices have consequences, you know, and, and, you know, this is a very, this is a very Ditko-esque Peter in this comic series, right? Would you agree? I absolutely agree. I think even the way that the characters are drawn are very Ditko-esque. Which I actually think is part of the reason why I really like the writing of this comic. You know, it's not this kind of man-child Peter that has evolved in recent years. Um, you know, I think, I think slot is best when he's kind of 
aping Dicko to a degree in terms of the harder edge. But yeah, I mean, there are parallels here. You know, you know, Peter let the, the burglar go by. We obviously know what happened. I mean, you know, he had a choice help the Avengers or save his family. And he went to save his family, but kind of in that monkey's paw way, it's still, he still truly didn't, you know, like he, he just saved them from an immediate threat, but the threat is still there in a different, and it manifests itself differently. Yeah. And I guess we're going to see that over the next couple issues played out in a more interesting way. I mean, now that again, getting ahead of ourselves here, they're on the run, um, which is funny enough to me reading this kind of where I suspected the story of, uh, of Peter would go after back in black, but before one more day was that he would be a hero on the run from the forces of, of, of Tony Stark and shield and everything. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm going to get that story. I always wanted after all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like the reveal. I mean, you mentioned shield. I, I, I liked the reveal of shield's presence still in this world. Like, I feel like there was like a lot of, really clever misdirection in this comic. Like, like, you know, we, we, we were going in certain ways and, and then, you know, there would be some kind of reveal to kind of like reverse it. And I'd be like, Oh, that's, that was good. That was clever. You know, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, like, I feel like the shield reveal, uh, that, you know, they're, they're kind of, they still have their power. Some of them still have their powers, but they're kind of, saving it <laughs> you know they don't want to like blow their cover for what was it a, a d you know a d-list villain like uh the the what was the character the d-man the, d- the demolition d- man. demolition man um they, i like the joke they have there about how he like literally is d-list because he has a d on his chest right exactly <laughs> um which was a nice on the nose joke um and then um we got this also with the Sinister Six because we, we, we got two iterations of the Sinister Six in this comic, Dan, and I, I was happy with both of them. Yeah, it was it, that was fun. And uh, I like that Shocker has finally been promoted to the Sinister <laughs> Six after how long? <laughs> right. <laughs> All it takes is a dystopian future or whatever <laughs> for uh, our tyrannical future for the Shocker to make his way up, even if it's on the back of all the work the Rhino did. But it's just, uh, you know, kind of going back to, the, to what I was saying, though. I mean, it was nice little misdirection, again, that we would have, you know, it looks like the superior foes are Regent's lackeys, and you're kind of like, all right, what's the, what's the cat? I mean, trust me, I'm, gl- I'm glad to see someone digging up the superior foes again. They should be used more often than what they've been used so far the since that series. The needs to come back with the Magia. I'm saying I know. over and over again. I know. But, I mean, we also had Boomerang and Lady B. I mean, we didn't have Overdrive. Um, or yeah. Speed Demon yet, yet. But I'm holding out hope here, Mark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's like okay. But we bring in the real heavy hitters, and it's like, what, what is this? Like the '90s Sinister Six with, with Hobgoblin in. Yeah. <laughs> Although Craven's there too, because I know Hobgoblin replaced Craven. Yeah. So I'm. We got no Green Goblin. Well, Green Goblin wasn't in either ah, Sinister yes, Six. You're right. He wasn't. He was in the Sinister tra- Twelve. So we're missing Electro and Sandman from the group. All right. Well, anyway, point being is I kind of liked how, you know, it's like these aren't, you know, these lackeys aren't my real henchmen. These are my henchmen, you know. It's like it, it, it was I, I thought it was a fun reveal. Beautiful splash page by Kubert. Just good stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want to talk about our good friend J. Jonah Jameson? You mean 
pizza delivery man? Wait, no. He's he he's just uh, he's a shill, which is kind of shocking. It is shocking. At first, I was like, okay, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't know that Jonah would really be this guy, like paying out blood money. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but it seems kind of counter to Jonah's character. I do wonder if we're going to get. I, I I feel that that Jonah's kind of um, lack of principles was a, was another little bit of a, of a hope spot and a Chekhovian gun here. I, I think we're going to get something with that, and that's going to tie into um, how this is all resolved at some point. Well, I'm holding my breath. It doesn't bother me right now, but it does seem... I mean, I, I hate to keep bringing up Spider-Man Rain, but what I like about that book is... You know, it kind of casts Jonah as this, you know, the people's hero, which I think he sees himself as, you know, at, at all times, whether he's railing against Spider-Man or in that book, you know, uh, hitting Spider-Man to get him to wake up. Um, right. But, uh, you know, he, I think his motives have always been to help the people. He just might be a little uh, wrong in his uh, his process of doing that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I just... But we've had these moments where Jonah has kind of had these crisis of principles and, and he will eventually see the light after, you know, being stubborn about something. So I, I, I uh, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. One scene I really liked in terms of its narrative construction and its visual construction. Um, and again, it was another instance where we kind of got these like little sleight of hand tricks with, with uh, the tension building. Uh, was when, you know, th- there's word that that the that region is going after a kid at the elementary school where Annie uh, Parker is going, and you know you have kind of Peter making this very deliberate choice to be Spider-Man, even if it's not in full costume. Um, I like that then, he can't avoid wearing red and blues. Yeah, right. But I also liked MJ's portrayal. Um, during the scene. I mean, she's, she's rushing to the scene. She looks like a hero herself here. I mean, like, I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but it was very dynamic for her. Yeah. I mean, we've got this double page spread where the, the page is divided into fourths for Peter's journey across the city with some really wonderful, like, uh, angles. You know, there's something that we don't really bring up much, but a lot, a lot of artists could use, um, some diversification in terms of, how they construct their imagery. And here we've got like underneath Peter shots and, you know, some, uh, a Todd McFarlane callback from your favorite issue, issue 300. Of course. Um, and, uh, and meanwhile, Mary Jane's in her own little cubes on the right hand side and it shows her far away and she just gets bigger and bigger. It's a powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're both playing hero in their own way. I mean, he's got to mask himself while she, well, Mary Jane doesn't. She's just being, you know, a maternal protective figure. Um, and I, I, this was a moment where I enjoyed the power pack. I mean, when was the last time anybody thought about the freaking power pack? <laughs> a long time. Uh, although I have a question. Sure. Uh, do the power packs stay like eternally youthful? Uh, I, mean, I, I, I know that they don't. That I actually looked this up today. I was like, do they have? De-aging powers, um, 
Because they're like what? Like in her class. So they must be like six or seven years old. Yes. They must have been six and seven years old before, uh, right? Before this six-year time jump. Um, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless they're somebody's kid. I, I, I couldn't tell you. It's, it's just strange, you know, the whole like there's a sliding time scale in comics, you know? Right, like, right. Is Annie the only one who aged in those six years? Right, right. No. I don't know. Something <laughs> I was thinking about is like, wait a minute, wouldn't they be like twelve or something now? Uh, you know. Right, uh, but I, I just, but I appreciated that you know they're setting this scene up where you think like you're going to see Annie like in the clutches of a villain, and it's like, oh no, it's actually the Power Pack that they're after, and yeah. you know, Power Pack put up a pretty good fight. Against I thought there the- was a missed opportunity there. Um, with the power pack for when Peter arrives on the scene. To talk, to talk about the bad touch issue involving the power pack and Spider-Man. <laughs> you know about this, right? I know all about this. That's funny. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Is that <a> missed opportunity? <laughs> do, you want, do you want to inform our audience who might not know about that? About was, that? So there was a, like a, a, a public service announcement, a comic book issue about... Uh, like sexual abuse. I'll put a I'll put an image of this down in the in the uh, podcast uh, window. Right, and and it, it, you know, kind of in terms of informa- biographical information about Peter Parker that you know never gets brought up again that has been swept under the rug. Um, Peter, like, it's, well, Spidey admits to these kids, like, well, I got touched too as a kid, right? <laughs> Wasn't it? It's just like. I, I shouldn't be left. This is a real issue, but it, I, I laugh at that they that this is where they choose to reveal that kind of information and to promptly forget about it. Um, <laughs> I got we got to figure out who wrote that. Yeah, I, it's like probably, a it's like a one page thing, but like who knows? It's not like Jim Shooter or something, but uh, <laughs> we need we need another event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, but I, I thought there was a missed opportunity for when he arrived to kind of, uh, you know, realize that his daughter was actually safe, you know, that she was not the one being hunted after, and to have to make a decision over whether or not he would uh, engage in the fray and reveal his identity. Right. Um, that way we could kind of get an idea of his moral compass, you know? Because mm-hmm. he kind of just dives in, which is typical Spider-Man fashion, you know, he d- just diving into everything. Yeah, but uh, I think that was another indication that he truly hasn't moved on from being Spider-Man. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I just think it's, 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 an it's very interesting ins- moment could have happened. Yeah. yeah, but it's very instinctive for him. I mean, I, again, it's these these little hope spots that we're putting in there, you know, that that this status quo is not going to maintain. I mean, I know the status quo is not going to maintain because Secret Wars is going to end, but... Um, I think when this series ends, it's not just going to, you know, cut to black. I think there's going to be some kind of resolution within this world, you know? Sure. Um, Uh, And talking of favorite scenes, my favorite scene in this book is probably um, any of the stuff at home between the Parkers, um, and particularly Mary Jane and Peter walking their daughter to school. Oh, that great scene. Great scene. Yeah. I complained last issue that I didn't really buy them as a family in that opening, like, thing in the kitchen. But here, I totally buy it. Like, this this redeems it for me. This seems a lot more like a real family. Well, I also feel like some of the really heightened 
language and metaphors, like, you know, the I'm the hot wife stuff. I mean, that was really tampered down here. And this was more authentic. I mean, you know, like kind of like that, that joshing tone about, you know, what she likes the banana pancakes. And he's like, I like wheat cakes. Well, I don't. And, you know, how it's like very, you know, talking as a parent, it just felt very real to me. You know, like these are conversations parents have with their young kids, you know, like these kind of inconsequential yet simultaneously, you know, telling kinds of exchanges and, and dynamics. Yeah. I, although I will say I will, I want a moratorium on the wheat cake jokes. Ah, you can't go wrong with wheat cake jokes. I guess, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like it's played out. Like I could go a year or two before I hear another joke about a wheat cake. You got to look up the Untold Tales of Spider-Man annual and get the wheat cake recipe. It's in there. I know. I know. We need to do that. Maybe, <laughs> that, maybe that'll be something we do in our like a hundredth episode. Is you and I do, we'll make, make the make wheat a cakes. Video of us making wheat cakes. Yeah. I think I, that, I'm onto that. I like that idea a lot. Next time I come to visit you for a con, Mark, we're going to make wheat cakes. All right. Let's do it. All right. Well, well you know, I, I, I already made brunch for you once, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chicken and waffles. <laughs> they were great. Yeah. So, Here we uh, go. Our, our food, our food <laughs> uh, sidetrack note yes, of yes. the episode. It's true. Um but um, what did you think about Peter remaining a paparazzi or a, a, a photographer? Um, I buy it. It, 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 it it's you know it, it's kind of slot slot is paying homage to a lot of different eras of stories here. Like originally, I mean, this story do, still does feel very fixed in the nineties. Um, but yeah. like you said, we got some you know a back in black shout out. Um, you know, this is clearly a shout out to his paparazzi story that Slot wrote in during the Brand New Day era, which I actually thought was one of the better Brand New Day stories. Even though it uh, had the vault, the new vulture. No, he wasn't in that. Oh, that was you're, with, you're talking about the paparazzi story. Sorry, sorry, I'm mixing the two up. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking about the one with the with the 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 flat girl. Oh, uh, paper doll, paper doll, paper doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good story. I agree. And it helps that it's illustrated by Marcos Martin. Yeah, which is, you know, as well, I said. Is, let's talk about art then while we're talking about this. This was head and shoulders better than the first issue. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's not like this took longer to do or anything, but I, I just, I don't know. I felt the first issue felt rushed and, and it wasn't crisp. Um, and, you know, the action wasn't clear. And this, you know, this was like as advertised. I mean, you know, I'm getting Adam, Adam Kubert on a, on a Spider-Man story. I want some some good artwork, you know, consistent artwork. And, and this like, you know, he kind of changes his styles, but. It, it was all just clean and consistent and dynamic and matched the tone of the story where it needed to. I, I was very impressed with the artwork here. Yeah, I mean, I guess you give him a little more room to do some crazy things and he kind of has more fun with it possibly. Like, I thought the coloring was better in this book. Yeah. I thought the he has multiple full-page spreads that are just gorgeous and full of all kinds of great detail. I mean, the backgrounds here are just stuffed. There's all there's a scene in front of like whatever elementary school it is 
that Annie is going to. And I couldn't stop staring at this detail on the wall of this kind of like flame that's building that's been like carved into the wall. And I was like, he did not need to include this here. You know, and and yet it, there it is, and and dozens of children that probably took forever to draw out front of the school. I was really impressed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot a lot of effort went into this. It it, it was it was pretty good, Dan. I I I'm, you know me. I I don't talk a lot about artwork, but I, this this warrants talking a lot about. And we never bring up covers, which is something that I like to get in the habit of referencing more. But I think this cover is particularly cool. Yeah, no, this was a, I mean, the first, the first cover was very good too, but I mean, yeah, these, these covers are great, Dan. I mean, you know, this is, this is shaping up to be, even as a little sidetrack diversion, a really memorable run of issues here. Well, I mean, we've had a, a, a memorable, a memorable run of issues for how not great they were for a while. So it's right. nice to get a good story and really great artwork. Yeah. All right, Dan, you want to go grades? Yeah. Um, Mark, you're going to probably be a little blown away by this, but I'm giving this book an A minus. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, you, you, you're really going full throttle. I, I mean. really like this book. Um, I mean, but that's, again, acknowledging that this is just really a what if story. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. For a what if story, this is about you know, as good as they come. Well, there are, you know, there are a lot of what if stories going on right now, and I would say this is so far my favorite in terms of Secret Wars books. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, Dan, these books have been abysmal. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give this a B plus, Dan. Um, I, I, I'm more or less there with you, but, you know, I, I, I don't want to fall into my old trap of starting too high and then deflating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go into my old trap, which is zigzagging back and forth between between quality of issues. But you know what? Let's Let's hope that this thing breaks that trend and we just get good ones coming here on out. All right. Sounds it actually good. has made me a lot more hopeful about this relaunch. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, maybe some fresh new ideas. I mean, maybe now with Spider-Verse out of his system, Slot can focus on some other things. Yeah, I mean, you you said it in the past, but I actually think, like, Slot writing a Peter Parker, a normal Peter Parker in, you know, everyday things, that's his weakest thing. He needs some hook on it. And I, yeah. I think that's when his creative juices work the best. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, do we want to talk about our famous club? <laughs> Dare we say the name of it? Well, we'll get there. All right. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, clap a little louder, joke around the crater, we can show you how to win. Okay, Dan, now's the time of the show where I sound rehearsed and we thank all the wonderful people who have decided to donate some of their hard-earned do-re-mi to the show and have opted to join the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. And this week we have no new members. 
Wah, wah. Well, still, it's good to celebrate the people that have uh, decided to give us money in the past and are still members. Um, and remember, if you are a member, please be sure to check your email this week for your free comics. We give them out weekly. Um, and if you'd like to become a member of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club and help support our show, please go to our site and click on the giant button that reads Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Mark, why did we name it that? I don't know. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Well, we don't have as much news as last episode, certainly, but a little bit of interesting gossip regarding the uh, the Marvel Amazing Spider-Man movie, or we don't know if it's Amazing Spider-Man, we just know it's Spider-Man right now. What if it wasn't even called Spider-Man? Yeah, it's Boy boy in Costume with with Spider. Arachnid Boy. (laughs) Oh boy, who's this, Julie Taymor now, or what? I mean, come on. Uh, (laughs) Anywho. Have a geek chorus? Anywho, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> There's uh, a rumor about who might be cast as Aunt May, and uh, this one's a, a, kind of a, a eyebrow raiser, don't you think? Yeah, a little bit. I'm very excited about it. So uh, Variety, which is a, an entertainment uh, a magazine, uh, newsprint, you know, depending – it has all of these various different things. But Variety, as of right now, today, is reporting that – uh, Marvel has made a sizable offer to Marissa Tomei to play Aunt May. Marissa Tomei? <laughs> I kind of want them to cast Jason Alexander as Uncle Ben just, <laughs> just so that we could get a Seinfeld reference into the, into the movie. Oh, I was thinking Joe Pesci as Uncle Ben. <laughs> what, what's the matter with you? What's the matter? Huh? You can make these wheat cakes all the time. <laughs> what if she just refers to Spider-Man and Mary Jane as like two Utes? You two Utes. <laughs> Imagine you're a deer. Imagine you're a Spider-Man. <laughs> and then bam! <laughs> <laughs> That's what she'll say uh, after the death of Spider-Man story arc they do in the movie. <laughs> no, I think this is great. It's an, another Academy Award winner taking on the role. But she's also going to be now be the youngest person to play Aunt May by a sizable margin because she's yeah. turning 50 this year, um, which I think has prompted a lot of people to say, this is awkward because I have the hots for Aunt May. Um, well, you know what? There was that, that, what's that miniseries where May was younger. Uh, what is it? Mark Millar wrote it or something? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do want to add, and, and I knew that she wouldn't be cast again but you know in terms of the last reboot sally field as aunt may was not a problem for me in those movies no me neither although i think they didn't do enough with her no they didn't but it was not her performance so i mean i mean i felt that she was a a considerable improvement over uh was it rosemary harris oh i liked rosemary harris yeah i mean she she was that dicko May, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it worked for that. But um, I thought Sally Field was more dynamic in that role. Uh, oh, sure, but I think that's a style difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, but Rosemary Harris had the wonderful scene in the backyard in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Where she's moving. And there's just that n- slight nuance to her performance that makes you think that she knows uh, that Peter is Spider-Man. And, and those are the kind of things I loved from her. But, yeah, I mean, she was given a less dynamic, like, role a- as an actress. Yeah, I mean, she also, like, starts screaming, like, prayer to the Green Goblin in the first movie, which was a little weird. But yeah, that's like- yeah, well, let's not talk about the script of the first Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Anything involving the Green Goblin, in my, in my opinion, is problematic. There's literally a scene where Green Goblin ties up Spider-Man on a rooftop and is like, you and me, we could own this town. Like, what the hell is happening here? Uh, no one knows. <laughs> shut Willem up, Dafoe. shut up, rejected Power Rangers villain. <laughs> Willem Dafoe still thought he was in Platoon, I think. Um... I mean, no, got all credit to Willem Dafoe. He did what he could with that role and made it memorable. Right, right. Um, anywho, um, but yeah, I'm excited. Marissa Tomei, um, I'm not going to get all weird about, you know, being attracted to Marissa Tomei. Um, because, hey, you know, that's, that's what movie magic's all about, right? Being yeah. attracted to characters that you wouldn't think you'd be attracted to? No. Oh, I thought you meant being attracted specifically to Marissa Tomei. Oh, well, that's what movie magic is definitely all about. I mean, you know. And she should have. Did she even get nominated for The Wrestler? Because she should have. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, she won for My Cousin Vinny, which I know there are people that um, kind of like can, they have problems with that ruling. Um, right. But I think she's had enough of a body of work since then to kind of, you know. Uh, unlike a lot of people, that actresses that have won the Oscars, she's actually yeah. gone on to do good things. And I've enjoyed the work of her body. Uh, thank you, Mark. Oh this no! This might be the most sexist our show has ever been. Uh oh! I'm gonna get I'm gonna get reprimanded off the air, folks. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> Stop it, Mark. <laughs> Stop it. We're better than this. You know that. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to fuel the outrage machine. Um, this is not a this is not a woman of Spider-Man podcast. I promise, Dan. Yes. Um, well, anyway, I, I, on another note about this thing, I think it signals like very clearly that they're looking to go the ultimate route, at least with Aunt May. Yeah. Which to um, me is a richer interpretation of the character um, than before. I think there's something that comes with a young Aunt May, like having this child being her sole responsibility at a younger age. I'm, right. I'm not saying Marissa Tomei is, like, young, like she's, like, in her 30s or something. But, you know, um, who knows when the Parkers died. She could have been in her, tw- you know, her, like, 30s, early 30s or uh, 20s, for all we know, and uh, and have had to have this child kind of suddenly had to take care of this child. And I think there's an interesting dynamic that comes with that. Marissa Tomei is 50 years old, Dan. I understand that. I just want to point that out. I mean... Yeah, she doesn't look fifty, but I'm just, I'm just, just saying. Okay, you know, so. you're right. You're right. Fifty is not necessarily young, but it's younger, and I think it brings with it a different dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I I see her playing the character as if she's in her forties. That's kind of my take on it. That's what I imagine too. She'll be like, I mean, come on, you're gonna cast Marissa Tomei and not have her be like the cool aunt, right? Yeah. My biological clock is ticking, Dan. Right, exactly. That's all I was trying to say. Which means it's time to get into our goodbyes. Oh, already, Mark? The, the clock, it's ticking. All right. All right. <laughs> I mean, seriously. All right, all right. Well, 
Of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And like I said last episode, for some reason iTunes is only hosting 20 of our episodes and everybody else's episodes. So if you want anything past our most recent 20 episodes, you're going to have to go digging on our site to get them. Um, And uh, we didn't get any emails this time or comments so um, a reminder to everyone, if you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, it could be about anything, please be sure to email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com and we'll address and read them on the air. Yeah, and also be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at Facebook.com slash SuperiorSpiderTalk and Facebook.com slash ChasingAmazing because they are actually great places to keep up with us in between shows. Because we put up articles we've written and other breaking news and brunch menus uh, and how to get in touch with us. Our theme song is courtesy of Rylan Bojack and our outro song comes from Magic. And a special thanks again to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumzer, Ron Friends, and Sal Buscema for our show's artwork. Yes, Dan, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Well, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, you know, pay attention to my Twitter account and our Facebook page and everything because I'm going to be at San Diego Comic Con. And you know it, I'm going to be updating things like crazy and trying to secure all kinds of interviews and things like that. So, you know, pay close attention to our Facebook page and my Twitter handle at SupSpiderTalk. For all kinds of news out of San Diego Comic-Con. Of course, you can follow my personal Twitter account at, at Dan Gavostin. What about you, Mark? Well, I have to say, Dan, if, if reception at San Diego is half as good as it is at New York Comic-Con, I don't know how much you're going to be tweeting during the event. Yeah, but, that's entirely possible, but we'll see. I'm try- But, try but we're going to be optimistic. I understand. Yeah. No, I didn't mean to, you know, throw a snowball at you there. But There are know. less skyscrapers in San Diego, so... Uh. Yeah, and I'm sure that the was it the convention center is probably better than the Javits, which probably. is just which is just a, a hell mouth on earth. We love you, Javits. This this episode was brought to you by the Jacob Javits Center in New York City. Uh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, anywho, you can find me, of course, at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, where we are approaching the final few of our top Peter and Mary Jane story countdown. Dan, what do you think about the list so far? I'm loving it, Mark. Today, uh, today's was actually while we're recording this on Wednesday was uh, your number four, and it was the great Tom DeFalco Ron Friends story of Mary Jane's origin. Yes. And that's one, origin of, one stories. of my favorites. And it makes it reminds me it made me think if if issues were coming out once a month and being that character focused, now that we've got them twice a month, why can't they be that character focused now? Um, you know, because you don't have to maintain people's attention. For did long. you not? Did you not read Spider Verse? It was filled with characters, Dan. That's all it was. <laughs> was characters. <laughs> all right, Mark. Well, anyway, I'm really liking your series, and uh, I can't wait to see your top three. Absolutely, thank. You. Well, that'll be coming over the next week, guys. So we'll uh, we'll we'll do that. And we're also going to have a new spanning spectacular over the next week, and uh, perhaps some more Clone Saga stuff. So uh, stay tuned. Oh, also we got Ant Man opening next week. So who knows? There might be some. Spider-Man, Ant-Man content coming up on uh, Superior Spider-Talk. You know, I, I got to bring all my old tricks from Chasing Amazing with me, Dan. So It's also my birthday. Oh, that's right. On another note, on another note, a completely unrelated note. My birthday is the day Ant-Man comes out. So guess what I'm doing, Mark? Going to go see Ant-Man and then get drunk for your birthday? 
No, no, I'm just getting drunk. Oh, okay, good. With Flash uh, Thompson. <laughs> Flash is not here for this episode, Dan. Um, you can also find me at Chasing ASM Blog, and uh, that's that's kind of it. I, I I think I said this last episode. I'm not doing. I'm not spreading myself so thin. I'm all yours, Dan. It's wonderful, Mark. I it's, think the site has been a lot better because of it. Oh, pish posh. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to blow hot air your way. Hey, Mark, um, you know, I was looking through my old grade books from when I used to be a teacher about a year ago. Uh-huh. People remember that continuity. And, right. uh, you know, I was looking, you know, I, I used to teach elementary school kids every now and again, and I was looking through my roster, and what did I find? I found a kid whose name was Ben Uncle. Well, at least in the, in the, in the grade book was. His name was Uncle Ben. Oh my goodness! You know who that was? No, I have that, no idea who that was. That that was my cousin, um, who is you know the son of my uncle Ben. I mean, he just he's basically Uncle Ben Junior. But um, you know, after my 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 uncle uncle, so he would be Uncle Uncle Ben, um, Janakio. Which no one ever knows, you know. What's that about? Um, after he was tragically murdered, of course. <laughs> in a, in a <laughs> except for when he's alive, then he's not murdered anymore. But this instance, he was murdered uh, tragically at, a, at, a, at a, an industrial school accident. Jeez, uh, yeah, that's why that yearbook entry. I'm sure it was like a little. Uh, he probably has some like emo quotes about you know his uncle, right? No, but he did have one very specific quote. Can you guess what it was, Mark? Uh, yes. Taking after Uncle Uncle Ben, he said, with great podcasts, there must also come Amazing Spider Talk. 